Hey guys, if you want updates on our latest episodes, then be sure to subscribe to the Film Colossus podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, if you'd like to support the show and hear episodes ad-free, then subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmcolossus. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My name is Chris Lambert. And my name is Travis Bean. And on today's episode, we give our reactions to the 2024 Oscar nominations. Chris is nice and gives praise where praise is due, while Travis mostly complains because the dumb movies he likes don't get any love from the Academy. Plus, we give our predictions for each category. And Travis, what are you wearing today? Uh, well, as you can see, I'm going minimalist today. I've got on a t-shirt and nothing else. All right, well... I realized that this bit would be better for the actual Oscars episode after I asked than the preview episode because who's dressing up for the previews? You know, <laughs> we do. That's what we do around here. <laughs> we do. I'm in full tuxedo. Yeah, uh, a a bright blue tuxedo, light blue, baby. Blue. Yeah, I'm, I'm not doing the traditional nonsense. You know, no. I'm going baby blue. Got a style. Got a profile. Yeah. It, clown shoes are an interesting choice. <laughs> well, I need I need a, a boxier, wider toe profile, you know? If anybody should be wearing clown shoes for this, this episode, it's me. <laughs> People are just going to be saying, I'm a clown with all these opinions. Yeah, you feel, uh, feel trepidatious about that. I mean, y- your whole thing is being a champion of the, the look down upon movies. So discussions of the movies that are like the awards contention it's almost like the opposite of (laughs) i i think i strike a healthy balance um i do like to champion lesser known and look down upon movies and try to give them a second chance and i i i I guess people can call that like being a contrarian but like I, i truly on a on an emotional level, like my relationship with movies, like I just find something in those movies that appeals to me more. And I feel like I relate to a little bit more and just becomes part of the experience. Whereas, you know, something like Oppenheimer, (laughs) it's hard for me to like get on the same level as people and see the transcendence and think like, Oh, this changes everything. Or I'm just like, I don't know. I watched like a low budget eighties thriller. That was like way better than this, but whatever. Um, (laughs) But at the same time you know like i think if a movie works well like i think past lives is great um i'm trying to think of other oscar movies that i actually like (laughs) past lives is good i don't know (laughs) the holdovers is good i i i I don't try i definitely don't dismiss movies that are in that arena um i think i just have a hard time caring about them like everyone else does which makes me a great person to host this kind of episode I know. Well, I, this is a maybe a better episode for it than the actual Oscar reaction because <laughs> in this one we're going through the nominations 
and discussing which ones we like, which ones we think other people are probably going to pick, but also getting to maybe throw in some of the movies that didn't get nominated mm-hmm. that we just want to highlight for people or give some praise. Yeah, for sure. And that is perfect for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to say people should get nominated that nobody's in a million years would ever put on <laughs> up, you know, nominations like this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then. 80 for Brady. Uh, it's a lot of good supporting cast in there. What does? 80 for Brady. The Like every year, it seems like now, they make like an old person ensemble movie. Um, and this one had like Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin and uh, Rita Marino and Sally Field, you know, titans of industry right there. And they all get together to go on a, they want to go to the Super Bowl. So they all go to the oh. Super Bowl. And it's just like a rom-com kind of with really old people. Wow, they really are just Tom Brady fans. Yeah. Going to a Super Bowl. 80 for Brady. 80 for Brady. That's one of those movies that somebody thought of the rhyme and then they built a movie <laughs> yeah, around they it. They got it greenlit from the name. And they're like, go yeah. make a movie. Go write it. And they're like, all right, 80 for Brady. Is it the Brady Bunch? Is it Tom Brady? Who's the Brady? Doesn't here? matter. Make it. <laughs> well,. <laughs> Let's uh going through. We're starting off with uh best visual effects. <laughs> we are okay. Yeah, yeah. We're starting at the bottom and rising our way oh, up wow. to the top. Okay, and are you what what site are you on? Because I'm on uh, the Wiki- academy site. Uh, Wikipedia's. All right, I'm just gonna go to ninety six. Yeah, it seems to have them kind of power ranked. All so, right. <laughs> visual effects is at the very bottom. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. All right. Yeah. Uh. The Creator, Godzilla Minus One, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, which they changed the name of to just Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. I saw that, and I was like, is that, did they really do that? Is that really what happened, and the next one's going to have a new name? Because if they did that, that's really dumb. It's advertised in, in the movie. The title is Part 1. Yeah, are they changing the title on all... Not the one I when watched. Streams. Hmm. Did you stream it? Did you buy it? Yeah, Blu-ray? I streamed it on Paramount. Crazy. Okay. And then uh, Napoleon. <laughs> I've seen two of these movies, so that makes me very qualified to. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen the creator in Dead Reckoning. Yes. Nice. Which uh, Which of those would be your pick? Um. I I you know I I think the creator was. As far as visual effects go, it wasn't my favorite movie, and I'm a big Gareth Edwards fan, um, but it wasn't my favorite movie. But as far as visual effects and, you know, all those robots, and and I think the best part of his aesthetic is just how he's able to navigate these ethereal, like, just, like, extraterrestrial terrains and, like, bring power and breadth. Like, I thought he did a great job with all that, so I, I would definitely say the creator out of the two i've seen yeah between those two i would definitely say the creator (laughs) i guess dead reckoning you have to nominate it because of the the jump alone uh which was crazy seeing uh, people were posting the videos of what it actually looked like behind the scenes Uh versus what it looked like in movie and you're seeing it side by side and it's a huge ramp that he just goes flying off of didn't they say he did it like 14 times that day they just built it up to look like this mountain. 
so pretty wild in terms of some of the the visual effects they accomplished on that movie. But that, that parachute I've, going through the train, the parachute going through the train, which we talked about, you blew my mind earlier before we started recording because you mentioned <laughs> that that just would have destroyed his entire body, breaking through the wall of a train. I was he, like, oh yeah, he's like Fast and Furious level superhero. Like nothing hurts him. No, he's good. He's you good. could do that and like not even have a scratch on you. Like he gets up and just like starts moving. Yeah, he's fighting people immediately. <laughs> like I'm Ethan Hunt. Uh, I've seen all five of these. Of course you. Have. Um, you know it's weird. Like the Guardians of the Galaxy really did have some insane visual effects, but at this point, I feel like if your whole movie's mostly just CGI with some like green screen acting. I don't know if that's more impressive than like what Dead Reckoning mm-hmm. was doing. At that point, you're just mostly making an animated movie. Yeah. Nah. So the the creator blending it well fit well. Godzilla minus one, I think, is gonna be the popular pick for a lot of people. Um it looked amazing, like the budget people made like a big to do about the budget. I think they were saying that it was only like fifteen million dollars. And then the the director came in and was like, I wish we had that budget. Yeah. So it seems like it was even less than what they were saying. Um, but as good as the movie looked, it also was very limited in the amount of Godzilla that was on screen. So it's like you get these really nice pops of Godzilla, but I didn't think it was necessarily enough Godzilla. More Godzilla, um, says Chris Lambert. That's yeah. your review of every movie, though. Every movie is just like more more Godzilla. Could have used more Godzilla. Uh, Roland Emmerich's Godzilla? That was enough Godzilla. Was it though? No, he, he kind of hide. He, you know, he has these like all these scenes where he's hiding in the city. Like he's like a little kid running away from his parents. I remember being really mad about that when I saw it in I theaters. Love it. I love it. I was, I was just like, we never get to see that much Godzilla. Is that like to you when that kind of shit is happening? Is that like Megatron getting jumbled up in the wires? Uh, it was Optimus, and yes, Optimus. it's the same it's same thing. <laughs> I was I so an- uh, Megatron. <laughs> okay. I was so annoyed. <laughs> I like how it's the same thing to you. Whatever. Like, They're all just combine them in the one power. Uh, I think Napoleon would be my my pick for this. Just Is that because visual effect? Like, don't don't you think of like special effects when it comes to that though? Yeah, but there was like just enough with the battles. I feel like for the the war parts of it or the burning of uh St. Petersburg. Yeah. And what or Moscow, the burning of Moscow. There were just like moments throughout to where it felt like the other movies I feel like I could distinctly tell what was real and what wasn't real. And Napoleon's the one where you could tell me everything was visual effects and I was taken for a ride or that there were, it was all practical hmm. and I had no idea. Yeah. I, I do wonder about that. Cause to me, if it's just like, if we're just praising like the fight scenes or something to me, that's production design. Uh, but you know, I'm not an expert on these matters. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'd go Napoleon or sure. I guess I mean, like Godzilla minus one. I'm okay. Ridley Scott, just give him all the shit. Like, he should win. <laughs> uh, otherwise, like visual effects, I don't even know what other movies from. Well, there's Fast X. Fast X. Fast X did better have some... than all five of these put together. 
I would put Fast Axe in there over Dead Reckoning, I think. For sure. Or Guardians of the Galaxy. I would just get rid of all five of them and just have Fast Axe be the only <laughs> nominee. I could even see like Cocaine Bear being in here. For sure. That's that would be great. They should this is my problem with the Oscars. Like, let's award movies like this, especially in a category like this. It's at the bottom of the Wikipedia power rankings. It's probably the first one they're going to give out. Like, kick off the show with the Bane and give Megan, you know, best visual effects or some shit. <laughs> right. People would be surprised. They'd be shocked. You got. You'd make. Yeah, sorry. You just, you'd shock the world. I, I'm going to say, like, I, I'm looking down my list. Like, there's plenty of movies here. Like, the new Insidious movie had great, like, a horror movie would be a great pick. Rebel Moon. Rebel Moon's better than all of these movies with that, easily. Like, th- there's so many good options here. Barbie? Even Barbie? Come right? on. Is that production design? I mean, yeah, I'm sure it got production design, right? It had to. It did. It did. But, I mean, even something like... Um, they did do a lot I of saw... practical stuff in that movie, I guess. I saw this Bollywood movie, Jawan. Uh, like, Jawan mm-hmm. was more visually impressive to me than some of the ones nominated. Yeah. Come on, Oscars. Well, this is going to be a long episode. I know. We'll maybe move faster. <laughs> uh, maybe. Best film editing. Anatomy uh, of a Fall. This the is Holdovers. Like, sorry. You, you, yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. This is my thing. Like, immediately, like, I should... I can't just sit around like bitching about the Oscars this whole episode. Like no one's here to hear that. Maybe some people are. Actually, if you're here for that, like I'm your savior. Um, but you know this kind of stuff. I guess you have to recognize that when when they're awarding best film editing, like they're not really awarding best film editing, are they? <laughs> like <laughs> these are all just the movies that. It's how the Oscars work. You know, it's just the movies that have gained enough traction, have politically held enough ground over the year and have hit at just the right moment to get these nominations. It doesn't really have anything to do with like what movie had the best editing. Well, let's take a look like people voting on it. Don't even really know. I mean, that's very it sounds like a very condescending thing to say, but like I think that's just the nature of a lot of these awards, especially something like editing, which editing is something I care a lot about and think a lot about in movies. Um and I like to something like Killers of the Flower Moon, and I'm like, how in the fucking world did something like Killers of the Flower Moon get nominated for best editing? Like, to me, it has kind of bad editing, <laughs> very inefficient editing, um, not even the need for a lot of editing. There's a lot of like just like long scenes with not much happening. I, I don't know. That's just weird to me. So th- this whole category I'm looking at, and I'm like, how are any of these movies on here? <laughs> I... I mean, I guess to me, mostly if something has bad editing, it's just very choppy. Like, I think of bad ed- editing, I think of chappy. Or, uh... <laughs> you constantly reference movies on this show that I don't think anybody <laughs> thinks about anymore. Yeah, nobody nobody cares chappy. about. Nobody cares about <laughs> chappy. Uh, even something, I don't know, just a lot of, like, a ton of quick cuts really bother me yeah that, those bother you yeah that's been well established like a ton but i watched something like killers of the flower like there's no real difference to me between the editing and killers of the flower moon and the editing of the holdovers for sure or except I mean, that it's worse I, I i guess i don't see how um yeah no i i, I agree with you uh, other than Killers of the Flower Moon had egregious editing decisions where the holdovers to me was just like normal Alexander Payne editing. 
Is there like a bad editing decision in Killers of the Flower Moon that jumps out to you? Um, I, well, the, you know, the scene where uh, <clears throat> I think ostensibly the point of the scene was when Leo is talking to the core and or no, not not Leo. Um, well, there is a scene where Leo's talking to the core and we're just watching his like <laughs> his pouty lip face for like five straight minutes. That was bad, bad edit decision. You could infuse a little more energy into that scene. Um, but the scene before that where like the the skeevy dude blew up the woman's house and his or did he, he that's not what he's describing though he's describing that he shot the woman in the head in the forest and oh yeah you yeah. hear him explain the whole thing and then it cuts to the scene and you you just watch it um which I feel like ostensibly the point of that scene is like it's supposed to be they're supposed to contrast each other like we're supposed to hear him like jokingly and mockingly describing the scene and like very nonchalant about it. And then to see like the gruesome reality of it. Um, but to me, it didn't, it, the editing was the problem in that instance, like the way it was cut together, like it took too long. It was too stagnant. It didn't have any punch. Like that to me is the big problem of cows, killers of the flower moon with dealing with such heavy subject matter. Like the editing wasn't very heavy. Like it was a little stagnant and, just kind of listlessly stringing things together. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Interesting. I mean, I can see that. It makes me laugh because I'm thinking of Zone of Interest and how that would be my pick for like best editing. It didn't uh, get nominated for best editing, but it also has the least amount of editing of any movie I saw in yeah. 2023. Sure. It's just a so many long takes and distanced. Like the camera's constantly at a distance from people. Mm -hmm. So you feel very kind of immersed in the moment, but it's also pretty low energy in that way. Um, as a lot of the energy is coming just from the observational power of it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's uh, I like the sound of that. Like it, it's easy to pick something like Barbie, which is edited together really well um, in terms of like thinking of that whole opening and the way it's building to that moment where Barbie says, like, do you ever think about death? Like, that's, oh, yeah. that's good editing. Like, that was built to, and like, but you don't necessarily, it's easier to nom nominate a movie like that that kind of like has a quicker pace where like I, what you're describing with Zone, Zone of Interest, that, that sounds interesting to me. It's it's how the editing evokes a feeling and and advances the aesthetic, you know, and all that. Yeah. And Barbie, do you even get an editing nomination? Uh, yeah. Uh, Oppenheimer will get it. We, what, yeah. Why are we even talking about it? It's annoying to me because I'll say this over and over again when we talk about Christopher Nolan. <laughs> he has one move that he goes back to that makes all of his movies movie. feel more powerful than they are. And it's the editing trick of making everything feel like a montage and having these sections of the movie where you cross cut between like two or three things happening. <laughs> And putting just a singular score over the top of all of it. So it all feels like it's building to something. And it's very like simple kind of scenes and simple things that are happening that feel more interconnected and dependent and bigger than what they are. 
because of the editing flow and the score. And you can see it in every single movie he does when you start like going through his filmography. And I think it's gotten worse since Inception. He was doing it before Inception, but since Inception, yeah. I think it's become something that he's really, really leaned into. And Oppenheimer's like the pinnacle of that style uh, coming together. And that's the problem with Oppenheimer is the editing of Oppenheimer is it kind of works in something like Inception, the way it's the momentum you're feeling is in line with the movie. The problem to me with Oppenheimer is it doesn't really have any momentum because like it's not that interesting of a movie. Like it, it needs the editing to make it feel what it isn't, you know? Yeah. So he's employing this age old tactic that he uses for his really intense movies to make a movie that's pretty boring seem more intense. Like it's not in line with what the movie is doing. It does. It's not giving the movie any strength and advancing anything, you know, that was the same problem I had with Dunkirk where he used that same style of editing and kind of the, the out of order puzzle mechanic to Dunkirk for no other reason, not because the story demanded it in the way that memento demands it where it works there, or even something like the prestige, you can kind of get away with it because there's a form and function to the trick of it all, the magic construction. Yeah. Like Dunkirk didn't demand that to the story. <laughs> he added it to the story, which some people will like, but it was a completely unnecessary thing to do. It's just he had parts of it that were going to be boring if they were told in linear order or yeah, right. in any other way. So he broke it up into this way where the editing is carrying a lot of that movie. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Oppenheimer will win. Fast but... X. Fast X again. Just get rid of all five and give the fast X. Of the ones, <laughs> of the ones awesome nominated, editing. I think I would do poor things as uh, the winner from the ones nominated. Yeah, I did like the editing of Fast X, though. Well, I've only seen two, which is Oppenheimer and the Holdovers. And like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Oppenheimer shouldn't get it, so I guess my pick is to hold. <laughs> oh, wait, I've seen uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I pretend that I didn't. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, best costume design. Well, hold on. I want to say also that I think anytime Steven Soderbergh made a movie in any given year, his movies should be nominated for best editing because he puts all montages and all movies to shame. And Magic Mike's Last Dance has some awesome montages. Soderbergh directed all the Magic Mike movies? Uh, he did the first one and the third one. Okay. I don't think I realize that. I'm oh, not yeah. like a big Soderbergh fan. Yeah, you wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> I re remember going to the theater to see Haywire, and I was the only person in the theater, <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like very annoyed with the music choices. Ah, uh, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. I will uh, say also... Just for just to put it out there, Insidious the Red Door has great editing. Patrick Wilson's first directorial movie, the movie he first first movie he directed, um, has some really interesting choices. Like I just noticed it was like, oh, like somebody's doing something different here and it's interesting. I like Patrick Wilson, so he's great. He's always he's in a lot of good movies. Anytime we can praise him, I'm here for it. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh best costume design. We have Barbie. Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. What costume in Oppenheimer? <laughs> I I mean, I guess it's the a period piece. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. All four of those movies are better than Oppenheimer. Those are all yeah. good choices. 
I think Oppenheimer is kind of the most boring. I mean, it's accurate to the time, but uh, this isn't best accurate costume design. <laughs> I I did like Napoleon's. I mean, I would just give it to Barbie. Napoleon, yeah. That, I mean, that seems like a good one. Yeah, but Barbie Barbie would be my pick. I, oh, sorry. I thought you were saying Napoleon. Yeah, no, Nabal, Barbie should be definitely should win. I, it probably will win. I think so. I don't know if there's one that wasn't nominated that I would put on here, though. Uh, you know, by Fast X. <laughs> <laughs> Magic Mike's really... Last Dance is disqualified because they're just not wearing any clothes. <laughs> is that not is that not a, a bold decision for uh, best costume design? Then um, that would have been a bold decision. Uh, all right, best uh, production design. Or no, no, best makeup and hairstyling. Yeah, you're you're jumping ahead. I'm jumping. So best makeup and hairstyling. I, to me, this one is like there's one far and away winner from all of these. So the nominees are Golda, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Society of the Snow. Mm-hmm. You're probably I've, saying Society of the Snow. Yeah, Society of the Snow, like hands down, far and away. It seems like a pretty good option for this one. Yeah, it's like the <laughs> making these people like the actors look completely like healthy and normal to emaciated and like they have been living on a mountainside for 72 days is not an easy thing to do. And how much they were sticking to the historical accuracy of it all. Uh, it's a very impressive job. Cool. Yeah, I like that. I, I'm looking at this list and I guess I don't have a. I've only seen one of these movies and I don't think Oppenheimer should get anything. So I don't think it should win. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm surprised Priscilla's not on here. Like to me, that is the probably the most appealing aspect of Priscilla is just like the mood and feel of it and how it spends so much time on um, Priscilla's her putting on her makeup and doing her hair. And it's such an integral part of the movies like, themes and just like how like you know Elvis would dress her up like a doll basically and she would put on this mask and the show and all that like to me that would have been a, a good option yeah I agree but instead uh, Oppenheimer that and 80 for Brady <laughs> they did it look a day over 73 absolutely they give that movie an Oscar <laughs> uh, best cinematography we have El Conde uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Wow, I didn't know El Conde got nominated. That's uh, that's cool. That's I know different. it was the thing. It was the thing coming out of Cannes where I was pretty excited to see the reviews of El Conde, and everybody was trashing it, except they were saying that the cinematography was amazing. Oh yeah, okay. So I still have to watch it, but you say everybody was trashing it. Well, maybe I'll watch it then. <laughs> yeah, it might be right up your alley, Travis. Best movie of 2023, right there. Uh, I've seen three of these. I haven't seen Conde or Maestro. Uh, I have not seen those two either, but I have not seen Poor Things. Poor Things. I mean, <laughs> are we giving out Oscars for fish islands shots? Like your <laughs> abundance of fish island shots? There are so many, but of course also I, I did find the cinematography like more exciting in Poor Things than I did in most other things of 2023. Um... Zone of interest to me should win. Like it should have been nominated. It should have won. Um, 
hands down the most interesting dynamic and coolest cinematography of any movie of 2023 cool yeah i like that um cinematography again uh, surprise barbie's not in there yeah that's surprising too i guess this is where you make a car commercial joke <laughs> but <laughs> i just like we've gone through two like I, i'm not the hugest fan of barbie like we talked about it on our episode and like i liked it i watched it again with friends and to me it didn't quite hold up as well like there are parts of that movie i like a lot but i don't think it's all that in a bag of chips anymore but even with that there we've gone through two categories right now like barbie should be nominated for that like this is what barbie was good at makeup and hair like cinematography (laughs) like these are the things we want to praise movies for you know yeah and instead weird decision like that killers with the flower moons over like i don't I guess I just don't understand like how that happened. I do think Killers was the best cinematography that uh, Scorsese. Scorsese has had in his filmography. In his filmography? Yeah, in terms of just no. some of the shots of like a lot of the landscape shots, a lot of the the framing of certain things, like the shot of the the men through the window during the fire, and you're seeing the blurred like shadow yeah, figures that was of a them cool scene. there are just a lot of very dynamic and interesting shots that i don't think we've gotten in his other films that was uh, a where cool he's taking a lot more risks that was a cool 20 second scene in that three and a half hour movie yeah <laughs> i yeah, i don't that's true see, again going back to like editing to me the cinematography like it needs to enhance like it needs to, that that's the thing with these like i guess it's it's on the level of people on Twitter just posting pictures from a movie and like, oh, look how great this looks. And like, to me, that's not cinematography. Like a cool shot isn't best cinematography. Like cinematography should, it's the way a movie flows and fo- moves and feels like it's something deeper than like what it's become, I think. Oh, I always just think it's prettiest, prettiest shots. Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> I mean, Scorsese always has pretty shots in his movie. He should win it every year if that's the case. I don't think so. I complete. Wow. Yeah. No. I, his the way he blocks scenes and like has big crowds move it. Like his cinematography is pretty much always top notch. That was those were the best moments to me in Killers with the Flower Moon. It's when he's like navigating a bunch of people all at once. But beyond that, just like shots of pretty things isn't best cinematography. Uh, I, that's true like the way that things flow like happen in a scene the blocking of a scene for sure but if that's the case babylon should have won best cinematography in 2022 um <laughs> so ha i know you don't agree with that i, I definitely don't but i but i think we, we could get into that too and but we're not, we shouldn't that, that was last year's oscars yeah i mean of the of the nominees poor things would be my pick sure yeah poor things fisheye lens <laughs> uh, i want to i want to reward people using the fisheye lens it's cool it uh it kind of goes it has like a a f- is a function of the form i think or has at least like some uh thematic relevance i think nolan should use them in his next movie so i don't feel like i'm watching the same fucking movie again <laughs> that won't happen i know uh best production design we have Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, yeah. and Poor Things. This is where Barbie thrives. Like all those, like building those big houses and stuff, and like the all Barbie land. Like that, it should win for that alone. 
Yeah, I, it's a pretty simple conversation to me for that. Like Barbie invented like a whole microcosm yeah. and was fun, clever, like runner up to Napoleon for me. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Napoleon, that's that would be a strong suit of it. Uh, best sound. We have the creator, Maestro, Mission Impossible, Oppenheimer and the Zone of Interest. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, my... uh, I guess the creator, it's the only movie on this list <laughs> I like that I've seen. Yeah. You haven't seen Maestro or Zone of Interest here. I have not. I mean, I, I thought Mission Impossible was okay, but I don't know if I'd give it any awards. Yeah. No, no. It's weird. I feel like that's like they campaigned hard. So people <laughs> yeah, voted. Uh, Zone of Interest is another clear winner here. Like, one of the gimmicks of the movie is its sound design. Uh, the same way that one of Barbie's gimmicks is like, not gimmick, but you know, like production design, hair and makeup. It's just kind of yeah. where Barbie thrives. Like, sound zone of interest is specifically constructed to play with sound, use sound. Like, the soundscape is on a whole other level than most films. Cool. I like that. Yep. Uh, best original song, Travis. Oh, gosh. I, I This is the first time I'm looking at this. I'm like, do I know any of these movies? I guess I know the Barbie ones. Yeah. The Fire Inside from Flaming Hot. I'm Just Ken from Barbie. It Never Went Away from American Symphony. <gasps> huh. I don't know that one. Warjaji. A uh, song for my people, Warjaji, uh, from Killers of the Flower Moon. And What Was I Made For from Barbie. Yeah, is that the song that plays at the end of the movie? Yeah, it's the Billie Eilish. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't give it to that one because that's the point of the movie. I'm out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's pretty great. I mean, I guess I don't know the other ones, though. Like, I saw Kills of the Fire Moon, but asking me to remember anything in that three and a half hour movie is tough. So I, I guess that song was probably good, but I don't remember it. <laughs> uh, it's what was I made for for me? I, it makes me cry every time I hear it, even outside yeah. of the movie. Huh. Yeah, I think it's okay. I mean, if we're if we're purely just awarding on like how good the song is and not how it works in the movie, I would pick I'm Just Kidding. Like, to me, that's a better song. Mm. Listen to What Was I Made For with headphones on. Okay. I'm just going to think about the boring end of the movie when I do that, but okay. <laughs> well, don't do that. The preachy monologue end of the movie that just won't end. It's like worse than Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, that you know, I saw a, a comment the other day from uh, Tom Cruise where he talked about one of the Mission Impossible movies, the early screen testings. People were saying that it had too many endings. That in the same way that Lord of the Rings did, yeah, they kept thinking the movie was going to be over and then there'd be another scene, and it was testing very poorly with audiences because of that. So Tom Cruise told them to just have one epic score run over all of the endings. Sound familiar, right? Uh, and Oppenheimer? You, yep. <laughs> unite all the scenes, and suddenly the screen test went through the roof, and everybody loved the movie. See? Nolan has tapped into what people want. Yeah, he knows. He knows. He's like, just He's do like it a like drug 10 dealer. times in a movie. <laughs> over and over, nonstop and it'll work it's also the secret like it's actually the secret of the dark knight as well yeah 
Yeah, he does it in yeah. every movie, of course. Every movie. Okay, best original score, American Fiction, Indiana Jones and the <laughs> Dial of Destiny, <laughs> hey, Killers of the John Flower Williams. Moon, yeah, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. How dare John Williams do that? Steven Spielberg wasn't directing it. Like, he should have sat out. Yeah. Solidarity, John. Solidarity. Although that would have been hilarious. Like, someone else comes in and, like, either has to just, like, John Williams won't let him do the score, so they have to come up with a new one. <laughs> just, like, a bastardized version of Indiana Jones. Yeah. It just every fifth note is different. Every single one of these. This is the other thing I can't stand about the Oscars. Like, every category, it's, like, the same movie? Like... Other movies didn't do anything? Come on. Yeah. I mean, at least Indiana Jones is in this one. But I guess. <laughs> I don't think I It's the same person can... that always gets nominated. Yeah. So anytime John Williams does something, he gets nominated. Yeah. Um, I don't think I care about best original score. It's like one of the things that I care about the least in the Oscars. Um, I definitely care and appreciate it at a good... But I... I I can't think of anything, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I would say scores and movies, they they stand out to me less and less as time goes on, like in modern movies. So I'm, I'm trying to think of anything that really stood out to me this year. I don't know if I can. Yeah. So I guess I would give it to Killers of the Flower Moon here, but that's just because I kind of remember I it more than any of the others. Yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon gets nothing for me. Um, <laughs> I, I I will say I just watched Dumb Money and it at least had an interesting score. It was like because it's based on the book The Antisocial Network, and it kind of had a social network vibe to it. I it almost felt like it was trying to be meta or like call out. I, it, it seemed absurd to me how similar it was to the Social Network, and it worked well for that movie and like just the energy of that movie so that was the first time i've noticed a, a unique score in a while i feel like nice. even though it wasn't unique and copied the social network yeah re-watching uh there will be blood this week like that's a score that jumps out Ooh. to me i mean that shit's but, insane yeah none of the others here eh. um best animated short film we haven't seen any of these speak for yourself so, have you seen letter to a pig i consulted on that movie Oh, crazy. So Congratulations. Times. Congratulations. 95 senses. Yeah, no, I don't know any of these. Yeah, so I'm going to give it to Pachyderm. I'm going to give it to the one about John and Yoko. Like, Give the give the Beatles a little love. Oh, yeah, it's something they've never gotten. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if the Beatles ever won an Oscar. That might be true. Uh, I don't. They're not going to get an Oscar here, but tangentially they will best live action short film also haven't watched any of these nope nope nope, nope. Uh, so i'm gonna give oh, it to night of fortune i i did see the the wonderful story of henry sugar oh how was it yeah it's, it's good you know it's oh. just wes anderson if you like wes anderson okay. it's good if you don't you probably won't like it great <laughs> <laughs> it just does all the stuff he does yeah, so I probably wouldn't like it. Probably not. <laughs> uh, best documentary short film, also, nope. Uh, I'm going to give that one to The Barber of Little Little Rock. Hmm. I'm going to give it to the ABCs of book banning because book banning stupid, and I assume that that despair or just 
talks about how stupid it is. So I get that. I give it to that one. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully that, you know, I would imagine that it's not about the pros of book yeah. banning. Or just like literally like, here's how you ban a book. Like step one. <laughs> that would actually be pretty amazing. Uh, best documentary feature film. I haven't watched any documentaries from 2023. Did I watch any? Doc- I actually did. Um, but nothing that would be on this list. Okay. Um, um, Four Daughters I thought looked cool. That is um, Arabic language. I just like, it seemed like I had a meta concept and I feel like a lot of movies out of just like that region. I think, I mean, obviously this isn't the same country, but I'm thinking of like Abbas Kiarostami or Jafar Panahi. Like they always have meta elements in their movies and that one has it. And it, it's just conceptually, it sounds cool to me. Nice. Good pick. Yeah. Uh, best international feature. We have uh, Io Capitano, Perfect Days, Society of the Snow, The Teacher's Lounge, and The Zone of Interest, which, uh, interestingly enough, Anatomy of a Fall did not get nominated by France because the director, Justine Triet, mm-hmm. uh, or is it Trite, Triet, um, kind of disparaged the academy for the country or like the country's like filmmaking body so they refused to nominate anatomy of a fall for best feature so it did not make the international feature film list that shouldn't matter that's stupid i know yeah because you have to each country has to submit one representative film um yeah i haven't seen any of these i assume chris would pick the zone of interest yeah one thousand percent um, I, I would have definitely said Fallen Leaves should have been in this category. Um, I know it was, a, it was like kind of on the edge. Like people ex- wouldn't have been surprised if it was nominated. Um, but to me, that was probably the best foreign movies I've, I've seen this year. I really, I'm looking forward to that one. I need to see it. It's a movie. It, it's interesting. It's about two lonely people. It's very straightforward it's a short movie it's checking a lot of boxes i like from modern movies these days um but it it has a cool element that is um about how we use art to relate to each other and to get us through tough times and yeah it it just does a lot of interesting things in a low-key what kind of way nice yeah i know um it's been like relatively popular too yeah. Just in like more of the like people who love films, like in finding like little unknown films, it's gotten some like traction. Yeah. Um what do we got now? We have best animated feature. Which uh you know, the movie that I would pick for this did not make the list, which is a bit of a shame. What, what is that? It is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Oh, yeah. That's surprising it didn't get nominated. I know. I don't know uh, what about it would keep it from a nomination, which is a a bit of a shame. But, yeah, it was not not on there. So what we got for Best Animated Features, The Boy and the Heron, Elemental, Nimona, Robot Dreams, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, 
that's it. There was another line on there that made it seem like there was another movie, but that's just because there were so many people involved <laughs> in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Um, I would imagine Spider-Man's going to win. I mean, I they could give it to the boy in the harem, but I feel like Hayao Miyazaki just doesn't get anything anything anymore from the Oscars. I'm he could since this is woo. He could because people still think this might be his last movie, even though they've already said he's working on a new he's movie. He's done this before. <laughs> I know, yeah. Cries wolf over and over, but um, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse is just such an epic film. It loses some of the magic of the first one, but it's still really well done, still really relevant, special. It feels dynamic. It feels like something new and fresh in terms of the animation style and just the, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's kind of a legendary movie where the boy and the herons, okay. I mean, I love that style of animation. Like, you don't really see that anymore. Um but you also don't see what Spider-Man does. It's it's kind of a com- two completely different camps there. Yeah, Boy in the Heron animations amazing. Like just to say that, it's just I was thinking of the the story, oh, and the just plot, the, and the payoff I guess of everything. More, yeah. more rewarding here. Yeah, like the movie on a whole, but like the animation. Yeah, Boy in the Heron. Yeah, I uh, should get nominated. I haven't seen Spider-Man, but I'm sure it's. I I really enjoyed the first movie, so I'm sure the sequel's great. But I've only seen the Boy in the Heron, so that's my pick. Okay. I know uh looking at the letterbox like you know trending movies right now, Nimona's uh picking up some steam. Ooh. So it seems cool. I just saw the poster and it looks pretty interesting. So I might watch that soon. Cool. Uh best adapted screenplay. We have American fiction based on the novel Erasure, Barbie, based on the characters of Barbie, Oppenheimer. Oh based on the biography of American Prometheus, Poor Things, based on the novel uh, Poor Things, and then Zone of Interest, which is based on the novel Zone of Interest. I don't even know why I'm going down this path because people have probably already talked about this and people have come to decision about what counts as an adapted screenplay, but Barbie, (laughs) it's based on characters who aren't in a book, so like it's adapted? Okay. Yeah, this was... When the nominations came out, people were thinking that it was going to get original screenplay because she's kind of coming up with things out of nowhere. But an argument for it that I saw even some like screenwriters saying is just if there's pre-existing material and you're not creating all original characters and concept, then it goes into adapted screenplay. Um, it doesn't have to be adapted from a book or a TV show or a movie or a play or anything like that. It's just, if it's a pre-existing thing. So that makes sense to me. I guess it does. A lot of the Barbie characters are modeled on the fact that like a beach Ken did exist, right? Like this style, like this other kind of Barbie did exist. So you're still basing it. Even if the story is original, the, the concept is not. Yeah. All right, I'm just again just gonna accept it, move on, because like I look at Maestro and I'm like, well, that's about a real person, but what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, that is pretty insane. Like I feel like at that point, if it's based on like a real person, 
that should just go into adapted, right? If if this is going to be your reasoning that like an adapted screenplay, if it's based on characters that aren't real, like I don't know, like it's just because the characters aren't real, it seems silly. Yeah, no, I agree with that because especially you're just adapting their like life. Yeah, you're not coming up with like an original character, or an original story for them. It's all right there for you. Yeah, so I mean, it's based mm-hmm. on a Wikipedia page. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably all. My, the, uh, that's probably all the research Bradley Cooper did. <laughs> uh, I feel kind of torn on this one because my default is to just say zone of interest, but I wonder. I wonder if how you feel on this. Do you think best adapted screenplay should be the one that is the closest <laughs> to the story or the aims of the original work, or because zone of interest? pretty much abandons the novel yeah i would imagine he did that under the skin so yeah it's it's so different because in the the novel it's like a love triangle between different characters who are around um uh the concentration camp and you have the commandant of the concentration camp you have an officer who's there, like the the wife of the commandant, and you're getting into some of the life stuff, but it's very much this kind of like love story and reflection on different topics. And Glazer takes just the idea that it's taking place at a concentration camp and abandons all the other stuff that made up the plot of the book and goes in his own direction with it. So even though the book is the basis of it, there's actually very little in the way of similar material. Mm-hmm. So does that count as a adaptation? It's like the yeah. best adaptation. I mean, I feel like you have to just disregard that when it comes to it, it. It honestly, as you're saying that, it makes me realize how stupid it is to have two categories. I guess <laughs> it should just be best screenplay um, because yeah, like what, like what differentiator is there between original and adapted? If, for adapted the only like you you would think like you'd be changing something by separating them into two categories and the only change you could possibly make is like well how well does it represent the material but obviously that's not the case there's been so many times where a best adapted screenplay nominee has not followed the book at all you know Stanley Kubrick never followed the book he completely changed it every time um so it's just two categories and you pick the best one from each category I guess is all it is yeah, like Anatomy of a Falls in the original screenplay, but it got its title and part of the idea from like another movie. <laughs> uh, what is it? Anatomy of a Murder? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Like that was the basis. Like I watched Anatomy of a Murder and I wanted to do a courtroom drama like that. Yeah. So how is that less of a like an adapted screenplay than what zone of interest is doing it isn't and it's dumb yeah so i mean i guess adapted screenplay if i'm thinking of the thing that best like it's best representative of what it was or the best adaptation of what it was then poor things deviates a lot american fiction seems pretty on point but also makes some departure points i'd be fine with like american fiction barbie or oppenheimer i guess i would say no to barbie definitely no to oppenheimer um the other three i don't know they seem pretty good i haven't seen them but they should win <laughs> uh best original screenplay we have anatomy of a fall the holdovers maestro 
May, December, and past lives. Yeah, just give it the past lives. <laughs> yeah, past lives. I would lives say the, the writing of that movie away. is kind of a strong point of it. Yeah, 1,000%. I think it's most of it. Yeah, because, you know, the no, nothing against Celine Song. She directed a fine movie, but it's not like the most exciting movie to watch. Like, you're really compelled by the situation and what they're talking about and going through more. Yeah. Um, I guess a good runner-up is Anatomy of a Fall for just being... That's one you haven't seen yet, right? And likely never will. Really? Why not? Because it looks boring as shit. <laughs> crazy crazy <laughs> and it, isn't it like it's, two and a half hours long? i'm getting real sick of these yeah. long modern movies that never pay off it's uh it's a fascinating movie i might watch it i just uh i i'm not interested in watching it i'll put it that way yeah i mean if you're if you're okay watching like three like <laughs> mediocre 1960s film noir movies how like, dare you uh, i don't even know the I last time that happened to me I don't think there's or like you've watched like a sure, like yeah. a, a mediocre yeah like a number of a number of mediocre if it's mediocre movies. 90 minutes though that's not the same thing as mediocre for two and a half hours no but if you watch a few of them in a row <laughs> if I watch if I sat down to watch a few of them in a row in all one sitting you would be right <laughs> yeah uh which you're not doing but anatomy of the falls like interesting enough you should at least give the first like 30 minutes a oh shot and see, see that, that i i don't i don't think this way about movies like the first 30 minutes I, i'd rather just yeah. watch something i'm sure i'm gonna like just dip a toe in travis don't i mean be afraid. i might watch it don't it, be afraid it looks boring though <laughs> it's fascinating courtroom drama I, I just like i'm never excited about a courtroom drama it's dynamic it's tension filled yeah, they, all the courtroom dramas think they are. Yeah, but this one is. Okay, okay. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, you'll hate it. No, but you'll like a music choice. Everybody loves a music choice. We'll see. Um, best Supporting Actress. So here we go. Emily Blunt from Oppenheimer. No. Danielle Brooks from The Color Purple. America Ferreira yeah, no. from Barbie. No. Jodie Foster in Nyad. Yeah. And Divine Joy Randolph in The Holdovers. Jodie Foster, anytime Jodie Foster acts in a movie, like she should just automatically win. <laughs> I'm watching uh, the new True Detective yeah, I season the first right two now. Episodes. Yeah, she's so she's the best. good. Yeah, and everything. The show is not very good. The show but... is pretty um, unfathomable. <laughs> and just in quality, it's it's a ridiculous it's a ridiculous show. It it I can't figure out what it's trying to do or say what the aesthetic is like if i'm supposed to laugh or like (laughs) and you know i'm not a huge i've seen all of true detective and i wouldn't say i'm like a huge fan of the show like i'm not like a a day oneer and like think like oh it should be like the like i'm okay with them doing a departure but i don't even know what this is it feels like a really weak twin peaks knockoff we're watching this in fargo season five at the same time and fargo has been so damn boring and then true detective is also incredibly boring yeah uh the thing that's been the most annoying to me it was the second episode they unlock the phone right Mm -hmm. and they see the the clip from the guy at the beginning when he's like making the the instagram video about the food and the guy behind him starts like shaking and then goes she's awake and things happen 
nobody's talked about it in the third episode nobody talked like they don't go back to it they're not like freaking out do you see this thing what do they mean why is he shaking this is right where we found the tongue this is right where we found the tongue they're, that should be all anybody's talking about they're too busy getting to whatever boring c plot they have going on it's insane like i'm so annoyed because that's something in fargo that happens a lot like something will happen that should be a thing that everybody obsesses over and everybody's kind of like, well, we'll just come back to it later. We'll do something else. You know, when it's relevant to where we finally want the plot to go, we'll care. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was just thinking of this one moment in the second episode. I think this is the moment where I was finally like, fuck this. I'm done. Um, it was like when the the kid, Jodie Foster's like little protege, is, he's sitting in the ice rink with the girl. Is it Jodie Foster's daughter? I think is in there with him. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, stepdaughter. And he says something like, "She like looks at his face. It's like, oh, did he hit you again?" And he's like, "Oh, my dad. He grew up in a abusive environment." And she's like, "So did you?" And like, you didn't turn out this way. And I'm just saying, they're like, oh my fucking god! Like, they're just speaking everything to me. Like everything I need to know and understand. Like things I can just get from watching the show. Like, it's my problem with TV is it's so inefficient and dragged out so much like they have to do everything they can to like stretch it to an hour episode and that includes having to name conversations like this i was just saying like no i'm not giving any more time to this show <laughs> yeah that's uh that's more than fair i'm gonna keep watching it so i can write about it at the end but <laughs> i'm like pretty unhappy about having to do so i i just compare it to like the first season of true detective like i would ju- I, i'd watch an entire show that's matthew mcconaughey talking so to me, it just doesn't even come close to season one. Yeah. Would it that be nice if it if it did? He should <laughs> pop up. Uh they did mention, you know, the guy in the the one episode that's like the manifestation in the snow. Yeah. Just like a His name's Travis. I do remember him. Travis Cole. <laughs> and uh Matthew McConaughey's character is Rusty Cole. <laughs> really? Yeah, so people are thinking that it's, like, his... He said he spent time in Alaska, too. That it's, like, his, like, dad or something, or grandpa or something. Oh, man. I I did not remember his name was Rusty in that show, but that makes me so happy that it was. Yeah, or Rust, you know, Rust Cole. (laughs) Rust, that's even better. Right? Right? Rust. Okay. Um anyway. Um yeah, no. The whole America Ferrera being on here, I really don't get that. Like I just don't think she realizes anything to d- she has the one scene where she gives like the speech. I I guess that's why she got the nomination. But that's my thing about that we've talked about this with best actor nominations before and like what to me it's really tough for me to get behind somebody who's been nominated for best actor or best actress when like their character's weak or when their character like isn't a real character and is just there for like one reason like and then barbie her reason for being there is just like a message i just don't see how that's like best acting you know yeah that's it's weird to me because it seems like the best supporting uh nominees for actor and actress it's always just do you have one scene? I mean, it's not even that because you look at De Niro's character in Killers of the Flower Moon and he's a pretty major part of that movie. 
Sterling K. Brown in American fiction is like a major part of that movie. Ken in the Barbie movies, like a major part of that movie. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo in Poor Things, a major part of that movie. Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer, a major part in that movie. It feels kind of lopsided because, I mean, Gloria is a major part of Barbie. Like Kitty's a major part of Oppenheimer, but not really in the same no. way. No. So it's like, America, you have a few reaction scenes and the speech, and it's a great speech, and she does an awesome job. Yeah, she's, but she's a good actress. The character isn't given enough to do compared to like Ken, right? Where like Kitty in Oppenheimer isn't given enough to do. She has one scene where she gets to like really pop off, but the rest of her character is incredibly underwritten. And it's like, do you, I mean, do you reward the director? Do you reward the film for underwriting a lot of these characters? Yeah. I, it's kind of annoying. Like, I think the writing for characters like Ken and Barbie, like, are pretty good. Like, you see their story. You see the catharsis, the climax. Like, it has a build. You understand, like, oh, like, they really nailed this moment. Like, I just think, like, America Ferreira's character and Barbie, like I said, it's just, like, a moment where, like, the movie just announces its intentions and like kind of ham-fistedly moves the plot a certain way like because of this speech i don't know it just it just seems silly like if she was a full-blooded character and this moment hit a little harder i'd get it but it, it doesn't I, I like i think about something like may december and how don't you nominate <sighs> man nominate julianne Moore every year yeah julianne Moore for that role because that's like incredibly impressive or do you not nominate like Mia Goth in Infinity Pool? I know Infinity Pool's like a much lower caliber movie than some of these, but her performance is wacky, over the top, demanding. Is that, I guess, like screen time shouldn't be the end all be all, but the amount of character work that has to go on, it just feels like you didn't necessarily get that in yeah. Oppenheimer or Barbie from those characters no. i mean even this will be probably the most controversial take i think of the whole oh show get ready, but people. like all the actors both uh divine joy randolph's character and um what's his face best actor paul giamatti's oh, yeah. character in the holdovers i don't think either of those characters had enough to do that should get them an award nomination. Like they were both really good with what they had, but I don't think any of like, I don't think those roles mm. were asking enough, doing enough, demanding enough to the point where it should be more than they were really good in those roles. Not right. They were the top five of everybody who acted in a movie this year. I, I think they both did a great job. I think their characters have plenty. I, I mean, Obviously, Divine Joy Radoff, she's a supporting actress, so she isn't supposed to have as much. Um, and her character kind of, I liked what they did with her character, how she kind of just like exits the movie for a little bit. And all you get of her is just like laughing with her sister. Like, it's just, it's just like a really nice, calm, quiet moment that says everything you need to know about her situation and her moving on from her son's death and all that. Um but I also get the point that, like, well, like, if she was given more to do, if we saw her her overcoming this a little bit more, like, that's that's what we want from the best supporting actress. I, I could go either way on that. I still think she's awesome in it, and 
I would be okay with her winning. I would definitely be okay with Paul Giamatti. I think Paul Giamatti's character, he has a lot to do with his character in that movie. I just, to me, it's just like a character that you'd see in every like kind of comedy drama from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh-huh. It's a great performance, but I, I wouldn't give it like a best actor nominee over something like, I mean, I know you're not a... <laughs> Uh, Ari Aster fan, but the amount of work that Joaquin Phoenix sure. has to do yeah. in Bo is Afraid mm-hmm. is so insane. Yeah, you you like going by that though. For you, it's it's another math equation. Like he did the most. I, it's I mean, it's just the movie asked so much of him. Yeah, and he's delivering on all these different facets. And uh, well, you like the movie too. Like you think he's his character is well written. So like. To me, that's a big part of it. Like, if the character is like not good, like how good can your acting be? <laughs> yeah, it's almost that's as far as I'll take it. That's my problem with Margot Robbie and Babylon is like she's working her ass off, but like, is she the best? Like, I can't say she's the best because like her character sucks. Yeah, but is she believable? Is she like going places yeah, with it? But I mean, if that's the case, Margot Robbie's going to win every year because she's such a good actress. <laughs> like, give it to her every year. She's of course she's that good. <laughs> I Zach Efron and Iron Claw. Yeah, give it to Zach Efron. He I mean, he was already in good shape, right? So it's not a stretch for him to get into better shape, but the stuff he had to do to like look the part, he had to learn wrestling, the dynamic performance he had to give. How is that not best actor material over like kind of a I mean, Paul Giamatti's amazing, but what the holdovers is asking him to do is a tried and true like comedy drama. I, I don't know. I just don't think it's that demanding in a way that if you're not honoring other genres and not honoring other films because they're more of a genre film. Eh, I think it is. I think he is, he, his character goes through a lot of fluctuations and has like, um, contradictions and has to like grapple with those contradictions i i think there's a lot going on there like to me that he actually has a ton to deal with in that movie so i don't know if i agree with that i mean there's a lot that he has to like you just his don't think backstory the forming well, i guess I, uh, the character's written fine i just think the ceiling is low okay sure i i, I guess I, I paul giamatti getting nominated like that was an obligatory nomination because that character in my mind is just the character from sideways grown up uh, <laughs> and he got a nomination for sideways. So like, well, he automatically gets one cause it's the same character. <laughs> See, that's even more in favor of my argument. Of <laughs> <laughs> You're just doing something that was already like kind of a yeah, established. Yeah. yeah. Um, but best supporting actor. I mean, oh. of those listed, I did see Nyad, and I haven't seen The Color Purple yet. The trailer for Color Purple was making me cry. So I feel like if I watched the movie, I'd just give it to Daniel Brooks. But since I haven't watched Nyad or Color Purple from like Oppenheimer, Barbie, and Holdovers, I'd still give it to Divine Joy Randolph. I think she kind of has it in my, the bag. Despite my like criticisms of it, <laughs> I still think it's like a a more nuanced role and a better role than the other movies. I think, I think she'll probably win. Probably, probably. 
Um, best Supporting Actor, we went over the nominations, but Sterling K. Brown, Robert De Niro, Robert Downey Jr., Ryan Gosling, and Mark Ruffalo. I, I guess it, it it seems like Robert Downey Jr. is going to win. One of those kind of like honorary Oscars, you know? Yeah. Which, in that sense, considering I think the Oscars are really, really stupid and then supporting the best of anything is a dumb idea. Like, sure, just give it to the guy who should have gotten it 20 years ago. <laughs> what should he have gotten it for? Just anything. He's so good. He gets okay. it for the culmination of his career. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, he was, I think, the best part of Oppenheimer. Yeah, he's great. Um, the energy he had in it, the attitude of it, uh, it was just such a, a cool performance. I was really happy that Sterling K. Brown got nominated because as I was watching American Fiction, I was like, Sterling K. Brown is stealing this movie. He's great. And it's a shame that he's not going to get nominated. And then he did, so I was really happy, but... Mark Ruffalo's performance in Poor Things was so next level I'm ex- to me. I'm excited to see this because I heard you talk about this. And to me, he's kind of an actor who kind of just he can do one thing a little bit too much. You know, like he doesn't branch out enough. Yeah, that's how I felt. Like, I know Mark Ruffalo. And then I watched this. I was like, Mark, is that you? Mark, you're giving that line delivery. You're playing this character. Mark, look at you go. <laughs> so part of me wants to give it to Ruffalo here. But I think I'd still maybe go Sterling K. Brown. Yeah. I mean, I think Ryan Gosling fucking earned it. Like, I think he's because it's pretty rare. You somebody wins and wins an Oscar for comedy. And I think he's fucking hilarious in that movie. So I would be okay if he won. I would also be very okay. I almost kind of forgot about him, even though I was staring at his name. (laughs) Yeah, the performance was legendary. Robert De Niro has two Oscars. We don't need to give him another one. Oh, so he does have Oscars. Well, De Niro does, yeah. Oh, De Niro, De Niro, Sorry. De Niro. No, not yeah. not I, Robert or not uh, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I was hearing Robert, and I was yeah. like, oh, Robert I might Downey, have said Robert that Downey. accidentally. Uh, De Niro, yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Um, best actress, we have Annette Bening in Niad, Lily Gladstone in Killers of the Flower Moon. Sandra Huller for Anatomy of a Fall, Carrie Mulligan in Maestro, and Emma Stone in Poor Things. Hmm. Uh, got a, a couple Oscar winners in it. Well, Emma Stone's won an Oscar. I guess I was thinking Annette Benning had, but I don't think she did for American Beauty. Oh, God, what a performance that was. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's always really good. Yeah. Man, I'm... the trailer for Nyad had my wife crying <laughs> just did like it? man just, i don't know if we can handle this movie if you can't even get through the trailer i don't even know what the movie is i haven't seen the trailer i know nothing it's about, about it about a woman who's trying to swim the english channel or something and she has some i'm completely watching this maybe she has like a disease or something something is keeping her from doing it but she's really driven to like do it and prove something you know okay that sounds like an oscar worthy role yeah um, I'm like, I'm in the camp that wants to give Lily Gladstone the award, but also is torn on the fact that I'm really angry that so much of the role had her relegated to bed and didn't properly represent the real life person. Yeah. So there's something like, I'm kind of annoyed that the movie, cause I see a lot of back and forth on Twitter with people being like, 
she didn't get to do enough. And then people being like, people saying Lily didn't get to do enough. And then they're showing the scenes of her like big emotional moments, which were really like good. Even sure, her yeah. having to perform, like to act as sick as she was, is a really stellar performance as well. It's just so much of the movie relegates her to bed and gives agency to everybody else that I was kind of annoyed at it and that we didn't get to see more from her perspective. Like we have the one, uh, as you said earlier, like 30 seconds in a three and a half hour movie of the first person perspective with her giving voiceover. I was really hoping we were going to get more moments of that Mm -hmm. throughout the movie. And we really didn't. So there's part of me that really wants to give it to her because it was such a powerful performance, but then also feels torn because I feel like the movie underutilized the character in a lot of ways. I completely agree. Um, yeah. I uh, I think they just sold, they cut her character short a little bit. And like, I'm thinking of how, like in real life, she wasn't standing beside, who's this guy's name? Ernest? Ernest, yeah. Like while he was admitting to like killing her entire family like that, the fact that they have her like sit there and like stay loyal to him and decide like, and then at the last moment, almost in an Oppenheimer style move, like give her the agency to suddenly be like, were you trying to poison me? And then Leo lies. I'm like, that's when she turns on him. Like that to me is just a really cheap. It's just a cheap move and it completely undercuts the power of her character and limits what Lily Gladstone can do with the character. Like they gave her less to do and made her a little more boring by making those decisions. Yeah, it's was kind of a shame and kind of shocking because you heard all the stories leading up to it that the movie was supposed to have a different uh, approach. It was going to be focused more on the FBI and he realized that he had to make it more about, you know, the Native American experience and really capture yeah. that. And Lily Gladstone was such a, like a muse for him in that way. It felt, I felt a little jaded by it. Yeah. Which isn't her fault. No. And but... she's, she's great. And she's going to, she's going to have a career after this movie. So like, this will be a launching point for her. And that makes me happy. Yeah. So I feel a little torn. Like, I, I want to give it to her. I could also very easily see Emma Stone winning because the, the Bella performance is so fascinating and she's just always so good. And to me, it's one of those things that really, like, you get to see the range, you get to see the, really the skill over the course of, like, the dimensionality of the character and the character growth that's, I'm leaning that way, too. A lot of people are favoring, like, Sandra Huller's performance in Anatomy of a Fall, and she has some really top-notch scenes, but it's another one that I feel so much of the movie's a little she's relegated for parts of it to just being uh, the what's the person that's getting the defendants uh-huh, in the trial right. that it's really the big moments that you're kind of reacting to rather than all of the little things that she has to do across the movie in the way that Emma Stone has to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like in all four of these acting categories, there's a clear winner that like everyone knows is going to win. Like Divine Joy Radoff, um, Robert Downey Jr., Lily Gladstone. I, I think of all the categories and all of the Oscars, like she kind of has it in the bag, it seems like. And ooh, 
uh, preview of best actor category, but I'm sure Killian Murphy's going to win. Yeah, Killian probably will take it, which I'm ha- like, yeah, I think he's great, and I think he's good in that movie. Like, I think that to me feels deserved. Yeah, and you talk about like somebody that has always been good and it's kind of a culmination of their career. Killian Murphy's always kind of stood out in everything he's ever been in. He's just also never gotten to have this kind of prestige level role. Mm-hmm. So him finally having that opportunity, knocking it out of the park. And the the other nominees are Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Coleman Domingo for Rustin, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers, Killian for Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. Um, all doing like great work, but Killian kind of commanding a three-hour movie and having the range that he has. It's math. Yeah, the most to do. He had he the most a three-hour movie. Yeah, when the math of it all, when you boil it down yeah. to the hard numbers. Thank God, Leo is not nominated for this category. I thought it was actually maybe Leo not as like worst performance because it's still like a good performance, but I think relative to the high quality, it was overacted at times. Yeah, and maybe the most kind of derivative of some of Leo's other characters. I would agree. Um, just cursory look at movies from the year. People I think could have been nominated, like Greta Lee for Past Lives. Like, Oh, yeah. That would have been awesome. Um, who else we got here? Um, oh, you know what I would have done? And I, and I legitimately think this isn't just like, I like this movie and it should have. Like, I think... Um, I don't, I'm blanking on his name. I don't want to use his wrestler name. <laughs> Who's the guy? Triple H's buddy. In. <laughs> Why can I not remember his name? The guy who's in um, um, Guardians of the Galaxy and everything. Oh, Batista. Yeah, Batista. Dave Batista. He's fucking awesome in that movie. I love him in that Wait, movie. In which movie? In Knock at the Cabin. Sorry, I, I probably never said that. Yeah, you never said the movie. You never said <laughs> I was movie. really in the dark there. <laughs> uh for best supporting actor yeah best supporting actor for sure he, yeah i don't think there's really a lead actor in that movie no it's pretty ensemble um pretty ensemble yeah uh marshawn lynch and bottoms <laughs> <laughs> that was also a great a great role i mean joaquin phoenix and bow Af- yeah, yeah. is afraid was still like such a massively impressive role to me i guess it's one of those ones where it's like walking in phoenix so we kind of take him for granted but if it was any other actor who's kind of like newer to the scene giving that performance i think they might have been nominated but greta lee for past lives is also something i wish would have happened man and then that's that is a shame i think i think sandra huller in zone of interest is more impressive than anatomy of the wow Fall. she's in both those movies yeah wow. Look at her yeah, and she crushes it. She crushes it. Um, also, the Megan actor... creature and Megan, like, very underrated. <laughs> yeah, is that a lead or is that a supporting? I think that's supporting. The movie is okay. named after her, though. I know, they should have I know. Best titular actor category. Like, if you play, if the character you're playing is the name of the movie, like, you get your own category. Yeah, Cocaine Bear wins. Oh, gosh. Yeah, if it was any other year, Megan would have had a shot. I know. 
Uh, I did see Rustin, so I don't know how good of a job Coleman Domingo did, but the photos of Col- Coleman Domingo going to award shows. <laughs> Best dress. Such a sh- yes, yeah, such a sharp dressed man. Yeah, they have a category for that. Um, Give them that. <laughs> and I'm still curious to see Maestro. I need to watch that soon, just to, like before the Oscars, actually, so I can have an opinion on yeah. all of I that. I mean, I'm a fan of A Star Is Born. Yeah, A Star Is Born was amazing. Yeah. Uh, best director, we have Justine Triet, Trait. Uh, Anatomy of a Fall, we have Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon, Nolan Oppenheimer, Yorgos Lanthimos with Poor Things, and Jonathan Glazer, Zone of Interest. Wow. Like the epic movies versus like indie festival darlings. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to me, it's hands down, far and away, no contest, Zone of Interest. I've seen a Jonathan Glazer movie, so I have a hard time accepting that. <laughs> that seems impossible to me. It's just on such another level. Although, of... best director, like, to me, how do you, you look at the category best director, how do you determine who wins? I guess to me, it's the the math of the movie it really boils down to. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm thinking a lot about I guess how the degree of difficulty I kind of find in the movie, the style of the movie, um, what it's saying, how much it's going for. So there is like an element of scope and scale that I favor. So if you have, you know, a small movie that's well done, like knock at the cabin versus something like, anatomy of a fall i'm really going to lean closer to anatomy of a fall because it just feels like you have to balance more you have to deal with more you have to command a larger army in that way so i'm more inclined to give it to the thing that has the higher floor and the higher ceiling than something that has like a a high floor but a lower ceiling I just think it's the best movie. <laughs> That's as simple as that for me. Like the best, because as you're pointing out, the director does so many things. I mean, the director's in control of everything. If the end product is that stellar, like transcends that much, like that was the result of one person's work navigating all of these parties to make something. And, and to speak to your math equation point, like math equations include subtraction as well. So, like, just because you're doing a bunch of shit doesn't mean a lot of the stuff you were doing wasn't done as well as this other person who did this, these couple things really well in their movie. Like, so I definitely don't think just like doing more means like you did the best. No, but I'm assuming like a similar degree of quality. Like if you think both things are good, then the one that had to do that on the larger scale is more impressive to me. They might both be good, but what if one is way, way, way better? Uh, I think we're taking in this situation where we're talking about that it's like the objective quality is similar oh yeah yeah, yeah. well I, and i also think what you're speaking to is like is a little bit more of an objective way of looking at it like well like if this person did more like not everybody likes knock at the cabin but a lot more people seem to like anatomy of a fall and it does more so like that gets it yeah i would say that that's like kind of a like a 
different like a difference maker to me like if we're talking about there will be blood versus no country for old men for best director or yeah best director like i'm probably going there will be blood because as great as both movies are there will be blood just seems to have the higher degree of difficulty to me in terms of like the set the story the locations like everything that it's navigating right yeah Um, but that movie like see to me that's the difference the difference between there will be blood and a movie that has a ton going on but isn't doing it as well you know like there'll be blood achieves that like it handles yeah. those things masterfully whereas like a lot of the times the movies get nominated for best director they get something like napoleon like there's more going on like he did more but it isn't anywhere near like what someone like paul thomas anderson did with more you know yeah like if you were to tell me like napoleon versus past lives napoleon is doing so much more than past lives but i think past lives is such a a more superior yeah like film yeah the movie like Greta or uh not Greta Lee she's the actress and Celine Song Celine Song like she captures such a specific haunting mood in that movie like that's a director's work like that is something she made and built she communicated across with all of her actors with the score with the camera movement like that's all her doing yeah I think that also matters too is that sense of style and that sense of director authenticity that's coming through where you get that voice Mm -hmm. and if a film like napoleon almost has no voice to me in a way in terms of how much it's trying to not be a product i mean it's very like ridley scottish in its tone but you compare that to just kind of the directorial voice in oppenheimer or poor things or past lives and it's kind of a a big difference to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't. <laughs> it, I mean, it's silly because nobody. There is no consensus of like. It's not like people when they vote on the Oscars that year. It's like, all right, now everybody hears what we when we think about when we consider best director. Like everybody has their own opinions for it. Yeah, which is why this is such a annoying. And Christopher thing. Nolan's gonna win, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, best picture. American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killer of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, mm. Zone of Interest. Don't see Magic Mike's last dance in here. <laughs> hmm. I know. Surprising. Um, of all these, my favorite is definitely Past Lives. Um, Oppenheimer will definitely win. Yeah, which is disappointing. Um, I can't I think see anything upsetting the, it. Of the ones nominated, I think Oppenheimer's the worst of them. Um, um, no, not the worst for me, but second worst. Yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon is the worst Oof. for you. Yeah. Let's see, not even close to me. I mean, I found Killers like kind of boring at stretches the same way I did Oppenheimer, uh-huh. but I got way more out of Killers than I did Oppenheimer. Uh, I get that. I mean... You know, not much of a contest here. They're two shitty movies. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't even say like I, I would give, mm, I'd give Oppenheimer more of a negative score. Like Killers was like average to good to me. Ooh. Okay, I know, but again, Zone of Interest is like such a like I think Zone of Interest is a genuine like masterpiece level work. Yeah, you, that's on that level of there will be blood that it should be like watched and talked about for years to come decades to come 
and then past lives and poor things i think would compete for the number two spot mm-hmm. there and then anatomy of a fall american fiction barbie holdovers killers oppenheimer seems weird that barbie got so many nominations and then um Greta Gerwig doesn't like I don't again I just don't understand the thought process here for best director yeah. I mean or yeah best director yeah I mean of of I th- that category of all the things she had to do and like all of the sets and that that seemed like a lot it did seem like a lot I, to me it was one of those things where I guess it's just the math of it when I look at the other movies <laughs> I was trying to get on they, your level Chris I was thinking about the math of it yeah, they feel like bigger movies to me in that way of just they're longer. There's a little more intricacy with the character, like the dynamics and the characters and the Oscars are so having dumb. to organize everything. So I kind of get her not like by the time I saw a lot of the other like top tier best picture winners, I had Gerwig kind of off my best director list. But I wouldn't be mad if she was in over, like, Scorsese or uh, Justine. Yeah, I mean, she wouldn't be on my finalist either. I'm just thinking, like, of the, of the people they're going to nominate, of the kinds of movies they're going to nominate, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. That would be yeah. cool if Barbie upset in one Best Picture, though. Hey. Yeah, I would be, <laughs> be I wouldn't be mad. I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad. Yeah. And then part of me, as much as I like am not a Nolan fan, I I don't dislike him as a person. And he does work like incredibly hard and as yeah. overrated as I think his movies are, that's not necessarily his fault. And he is one of the, like, the defining directors of the 21st century so far. So if he finally wins like best director and best picture, I'm not unhappy sure. about it on a human level. I'm mad about it on an artistic level, but I'm not mad about it on a human level. And he, he seems to care about the material of Oppenheimer in a way that maybe he hasn't quite in his other movies. Like he feels really, he seems really passionate about this dude. <laughs> Yeah, so. which it's funny because you heard the origin story of it. Of uh, Robert Pattinson uh, giving him the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just funny, the little uh, Robert Pattinson having such an impact on cinema over the years. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Christopher Nolan should have won it for anything. It should have been Tenet. But hey, who am I to say? <laughs> that is something you would say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, we did it. We did it. What's the next movie we're covering? You, we said that previously. You're supposed to pick. Oh, I'm supposed to pick. Okay, 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 okay. Um, I don't know what to pick. I was gonna look at Letterbox. Was it I? You can look at Letterbox. You can just look at what movies have been doing well. Something you're excited to talk about. If you want to make yeah. me talk about Killers of the Flower Moon, you can. I keep forgetting we did not do an episode on that. You yet. you invented a memory that we did. Yeah, I really, I really did. Someone inception. Um, I mean, we could go old school and talk about one of these ones that we've already covered, like an American Psycho. I've never seen it. Wait. 
you've told me this before, right? I've never seen it. Have I known this? Have I not known this? <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I feel like I've seen scenes from it. Like I know it, uh, but I've never sat down and watched it. Oh God. Okay. American Psycho. We're doing American sure, Psycho. Yeah. It's American Psycho. American Psycho. I mean, I love Christian Bale. So. Okay. It was just his 50th birthday yesterday. That dude is 50. Fuck. Yeah. So this one, this one goes out to CB. <laughs> All right, then. Okay. Um, American Psycho and... Okay, Chris, we're at the end. Yeah. I sent you a text this past week, did I not? <laughs> you did. You did. And it was a text, a video I took of my computer, of us saying action at the exact same time. See ya. See ya, see ya of course. Um, <laughs> lights, camera. <laughs> and I... Chris, I mean, you were totally right to call it out in the moment. I could have made that. I could have fudged that. I could have made these audio clips line up in any way I choose. But you could also see from the clip that we were we were speaking and, it, you know, it was lined up. Our, our audio was lined up. The waveforms, like you took a turn talking, then I took a turn talking. You could see it all there. It's evidence in the video. And at the end, we say see at the same time. And yeah. You have been I, adamant that I am sabotaging this podcast that i don't care about the integrity of this moment and that i don't <laughs> deserve to be editing these episodes <laughs> well you said the all last that. thing is not it was not you deserve to because okay. i would not okay then that does make um, me deserve it but yeah that kind of shocked me it was so in line and so at the same time <laughs> that i still don't believe it wasn't manipulated and you could be right because everything else that we say on the phone call, on the Skype calls, we've done a lot of Skype calls and podcast recordings. It, it's you're reacting in real time to me finishing yeah. sentences and pausing. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. Perfect flow. So there's no way <laughs> that we're in a perfect. I agree. Flow. It is weird, but like, I, I, I'm, all I can do is show you the evidence. I'm being gaslit and manipulated. <laughs> In front of our listeners right now. I know. I know. The humiliation. <laughs> God. All right. All right. You ready for this? Yeah. Lights. Camera. See ya. See ya. I guess. Uh, we'll was, see. The computer was, will tell us. That was closer. No, it won't. Closer than exactly on? Okay. Okay.